And, um, you know, not, not one prayer, one prayer does not fit all. And uh, sometimes when we think about prayer, we kind of get the blender mentality. In other words, we just kind of throw it all in one blender, blend it all up and say, okay, that's it. You know, like, like, like Mike makes a smoothie in the morning or I make a smoothie in the morning. You know, we're throwing berries in there and bananas and spinach and what do you like to throw in there? Uh, Got a whole book. He doesn't throw the book in, but only the ingredients, right? So you throw it all into one, and you blend it all up, and it makes one beverage, and you drink it, right? And sometimes that's kind of the mentality that people have when it comes to prayer. They see different verses about prayer, but they throw it all into one blender. Blend it up and say, okay, this is, this is prayer. And yes, in an essence, it's prayer, but there are different variations to prayer. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. And it says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Now this verse is just packed full of meat. And we're going to kind of dig into it a little bit. But he says, praying always. Now let me just give you the context, first of all, of what this verse is. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and spiritual wickedness in high places. So put on the whole armor of God. And then he goes through all the pieces of the armor. He talks about the belt of truth, the shield of truth. Of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and the sword of the Spirit. But he doesn't stop in that train of thought. He doesn't go, okay, now I'm changing the subject. He's still in the subject of be strong in the Lord. He's still in the subject of we wrestle not against flesh and blood. He's still in the context of having on the armor. But he goes into this verse, verse 18. Now, there is a weapon that the Roman soldiers had that Paul really didn't clearly identify by saying this particular weapon. But they had a weapon, and, it was, uh, and they carried it on their belt. It was attached to their belt, and their belt was really crucial to holding things up. And it was called a lance or a javelin or a spear. And that was something that, you know, if I'm in a situation now where the enemy is a little bit further away from me, I'm not in the hand-to-hand -hand combat situation, but I need to attack him and he's got a little distance away from me, I can reach back, pull out my lance or my spear and throw it and use it as a weapon. So prayer can be that type of thing. It can be that type of weapon. Because it can go beyond us. It can go, we, can, we, we pray here for what's going on over in Pakistan. 
And look what happens over there, how God is moving. You know, that's a part of, that's a, that's a result of us praying together. It's a result of, and here, and here Pastor Jen doesn't even go there to preach. Interesting. She's, on a, she's in front of her computer and she's being zoomed in. You know, soon there'll be a hologram, right? <laughs> you never know. Who knows? 30 years ago, the, the idea of a cell phone, the idea of a lot of things we live by today were just science fiction to us. And now we're living in it today. So who knows what's going to happen here in the next few years as technology and knowledge increases, as the Bible says. But so he gets into this area of prayer. And the thing that I want to say is that prayer without the word will not give you the strength you need to overcome the enemy. You have to have a balance of both. Because when you look at all those other pieces of armor, they're all focused around the Word of God and how that we believe it, how that we apply it, and let it work in our lives. That's really what those pieces of armor are. They're just understanding truths in the Word of God and knowing how they apply to us and how they help us and how they protect us, uh, protect our minds, protect our hearts, keep us together, keep us moving forward, and shield us from the attacks of the enemy. So it's a combination of both. If you pray all the time and you don't read your Bible, you're not going to feel the strength you need. If you read your Bible all the time, but you don't pray, you're still not going to feel the strength you need. So you need balance of both. And that's what Paul was trying to get across here. But then he gets into this verse and he says, praying always. Now if you're taking notes, you might want to write, write down Colossians 4.2. It says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Or 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. So what does this mean? Does this mean that you and I have to just stay at home in our prayer closet and just not go out anywhere and just continually stay there and pray? No. What it means is that we are in a state of readiness. Our hearts, our minds are ready. We know that we walk with God all day so we can have communion with him all day. So we have fellowship with him all day. You know, sometimes people say, well, I haven't prayed today. Well, actually, that's, that's something that God doesn't want to happen. You know, if you have a prayer time and your prayer time is at night before you go to bed and you're like, oh, man, I haven't prayed today. Well, really, you should have been praying all day because the Lord's right there with you. And so as you're going in the grocery store and you're trying to find an item, oh, Lord, where is that item? Are you trying to work on something on the job? How do I do this? Lord, you know how to do this. You know how to fix this. You know how to work this. How do I do this? And then, there, and then one of the ways that you can do that is by staying in a thankful attitude. That always seems to bring me into, you know, and I stop and just start thanking God for just what happened, the good things that are going on, what he's blessed me with, what I have for the day. You know, I mean, I didn't, honestly, I didn't say thank you, Lord, for the snow, but, uh, <laughs> but I could have, because in everything, the Bible says, give thanks, for this is the will of God. But 
if you look, if you do that, that'll help you to be able to stay in prayer. Because when you start to say thank you, then that leads you into communion. That leads you into fellowship with the Lord. So he says, praying always. So we have to keep a readiness of prayer in our life. And then he said, with all prayer, which I'll get into that in a little minute. But then he goes, with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Now, this is something that's very crucial for us in our prayer life. See, I've had prayer, prayer time that was slow, dry, and lethargic. Has anybody ever had a prayer time that seemed kind of slow, dry, and lethargic? Now, granted, we don't go by our feelings. But when we're dealing with that, how do we handle that situation? Do we just keep chugging along? I'm going to just keep praying. I'm going to keep chewing this dry oats. <laughs> how do I turn this around? Because it's not how God wants it to be. Praying in the Spirit. So how do we freshen it up? How do we get it lively? Well, take a step back and look at what's really going on. What, what, what did God provide for you? Jesus said that through his blood, we have boldness to enter into the holies of holies. Now, for us, we don't necessarily understand that in its fullness, but as, as us guys were talking uh, about the priesthood, that was something that was very special, very holy, very sacred, and only one person in the whole land, in the whole nation, had that privilege, had that right to go into the Holy of Holies, and that was the high priest. But now you and I have that privilege. So next time you're in your prayer and you're feeling kind of dry and it's not really, seems like it's hitting on all cylinders, take a moment and go, okay, the truth of, this, the, truth of the matter is that because of the blood of Jesus over my life, I have access into the Holy of Holies. I have access to actually come into the most sacred place of fellowship and communion with God. Just start thinking about that. Think about verses that relate to that. Start thinking about how good God is, how wonderful he is. Start thanking him for that. And that will, that will just turn that prayer time completely around. Because at first, again, we are, the problem that we have is we have this flesh. And Romans 8 talks about the contrast between walking after the flesh or after the spirit. But they that walk after the spirit, it says this in Romans chapter 8, it says they that walk after the spirit do mind the things of the spirit. So part of our walking in the spirit is having our minds thinking and meditating and focused on upon the things of the spirit. What gets us into the flesh? When we start thinking about things of the flesh. When we're mad at somebody and we're thinking about that person and what they did, we're in the flesh. 
when we have a certain lust on us for this or that or the other thing, we're in the flesh. When we're in some type of fear or unbelief or care or worry, we're minding, our mind is on something of the flesh. So then we're in the flesh. So what he's saying here is if your prayer life is going to be effective and and effectual, make sure you're in the spirit. And how do you get into the spirit? Well, sometimes you need to just get your mind on the things of the spirit. Because otherwise, you know, you can sit there and pray and you go, man, this is really hard. This is really tough. Where's God? God's nowhere around. And in reality is you're in the holy of holies because of the blood of Jesus. That's the reality. That's the provision. That's the blessing that he gave us. So when we start thinking about that and start meditating on that and start reflecting upon that, all of a sudden it starts to change the influence upon us. He goes on to say, being watchful. And this is something that we have to be disciplined in. 1 Peter 4, 7, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. You know, right now there's a country called Ukraine, and those people are in a different mindset than you and I are in. They don't just nonchalantly go out and go about business and do different things. They're not doing that. They're listening, they're looking. They're they're paying attention to what is going on around them because they are in a war. They are being bombed. So they're not going to just go out and do something carelessly, lightheartedly, without paying attention. And so we are in a warfare. Paul said that in Ephesians. He said, "You you wrestle against these principalities, these powers. You might wake up in the morning, everything's going good, the coffee was brewed just right, the the toast cooked just right, the eggs were just right, everything's going just right. And you take your mind off the fact that you are in a spiritual warfare. You get to work, you start doing something, and then all of a sudden somebody out of the clear blue says something to, to you, and bam, it hits you. You're in a warfare. You never know when the attacks might come. You never know when the struggles might be there. But we have to be watchful. And if we are watchful, we are alert, we are attentive, some of these things we can get a jump on them. Some of these things we can be prepared about and know how to handle them. So our prayer life is important to operate through its watchfulness. Now, and here he says, with all prayer and supplication. The word there, prayer, and this is the foundation of all the prayers. It's prayer and supplication. And the word prayer here is used 127 times in the New Testament. And what it, it's a, it, the, the word prayer has kind of a, a two-part meaning. And it means, the first part means denoting direction toward a thing or position and state looking forward or toward a thing or being face-to-face intimately. That's the first part of, that, of, the, of the meaning, the Greek word for prayer. 
it's one of these crazy words. It's a prosiocomenia or something like that. But it really means you're, you're, in, you're, you're in a certain direction. You're heading towards a certain direction. And you're face to face. You're intimate. So every type of prayer has that element in it, right? Now the second part of it is to wish something. But not just a whim. Not just kind of a lighthearted wish. Like I wish it was going to be sunny tomorrow. But a wish in the sense of something that is very important and significant. Something that has a purpose, something that has a significance for your life and your future. And then you're expressing that wish with prayer or communication with God. And then the word supplication, deasis, has also a two-part meaning. The first part means to have a need, to be poor through real hardship, and to have a great need. And I think of what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 3 through 4. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And in verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Psalms 34, 6 says, this poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The second part of that word supplication means a seeking an asking, an entreating, an entreaty. And Jesus said when he talked about prayer, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives. He who seeks, find. And to him who knocks, it will be opened to you. And so the foundation of every type of prayer is based on those two things. It's based on coming towards him, having an intimacy with him, but coming to him not in a self-sufficiency, not in, oh, I've got what I need, but no, I need more of you. And I'm going to seek after you for more of who you are and what you have. And that's why he used prayer and supplication, because that is the foundation of every type of prayer. But he mentions here the word in Ephesians 6.18. He says, with all prayer. Now, when you look at that word all, it's kind of an expansive meaning, and it doesn't just... It, it, see, like all prayer is implying that there's more than one prayer, that there's several different kinds of prayer. And really, a better, a better way to say this is all kinds of prayer. And where we can miss it or confuse ourselves in prayer is if, again, we try to put it all into one blender and blend it all up and say, okay, it, here it is. This is prayer. And even though we have a foundation of prayer that I just talked about and it transcends itself through every type of prayer, there are different variations of prayers that we can pray. 
So the word and and the word all has a kind of an interesting meaning because it has kind of an an individual base to it, and then it has a collective base to it. So, for example, um, God loves you all, or God loves all of you. Now, you could take that in an individual basis and say, well, God loves you from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. God loves you in the morning, he loves you in the afternoon, he loves you in the evening, because God loves you all. But then the collective is, God loves each and every one of you. There's all of you in here, and God loves each and every one of you. And so prayer can have a, uh, an implication of an individual type of prayer in an effectiveness, in a fullness, in a completeness that will work in our life. But then there's also various kinds of prayers that we can pray in our life. And those prayers are to, are to be prayed based upon the situations we're in the circumstances we're in, the needs that we have, and how the Holy Spirit is moving. So, for example, <clears throat> when Jesus talked about prayer, he mentioned in, um, in uh, Matthew, or excuse me, Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. So we see a, a different type of prayer here, right? And we've talked about this verse, and, and you understand it. But then we see some other verses where in Jesus is praying in Luke twenty-two forty-two, He's saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Or we see in James four fifteen, where James is telling the church, instead, when talking about what you're going to do and how you're going to do things, instead, you ought to say, in other words, you're in prayer, and you're saying something to the Lord, Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. So it's kind of interesting. You have these two completely different type of prayers. A prayer that is absolute, a prayer that is very definitive. It's, it has a direction. It's believing for something specifically. But then you have another prayer that is kind of like, I'm not... I'm not sure, but I give myself to you. I yield myself to you. I want your will. And so two different prayers. And if you mix and match them when you're not supposed to, it could hinder the answers that you get. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. So this is kind of a cool verse because it gives you four different types of prayers. Supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks. Now, <clears throat> Mike, I need your help. <laughs> Come on up here, Mike. I'm gonna, I'm gonna need you to hold this mic, Mike. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> now, here, stand right over here. 
I said right over here. Now, to give you kind of a visual as to prayer, prayer is, prayer is kind of like tools. Now, when you hear the word tool, do you just think of one tool? No, you think of multiple things, right? So when you use the word tool, you, you know, let's say saw, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Now, Mike, explain to me, when would you use this? I know this not goes... Not very often anymore. Not, not anymore, <laughs> right? Because there's power stuff, right? Yes, there is. But would you ever use it for anything? Yeah, doing like uh, like an inside cut that you're not, you know, your circular saw doesn't go as far. You want to keep that square edge, then you'll use that. Okay, so more of a precision, yeah. fine cut. Okay, but now let's just say uh, you had this saw. What would you use this one for? That's metal. Okay, so you you wouldn't use that on a piece of wood? No. No, Okay. And then, um, what about this saw? I wouldn't use it. You wouldn't use it? No, it's sitting in the van forever. What if you were putting up a fence and there were some, some branches? Sawzall. Oh, okay. I was going to bring my sawzall, but that, <laughs> that was packed away. And then what about this one? It's a coping saw. A what? Coping saw. Helps you cope? It copes your corners of your base. So you can fit them together nice. Oh. So you would cut your 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 one wood would be on a forty-five. Okay. And then you follow that edge. And then you don't have to cut this one, and this one will fit right into right into everything. I wish I would have knew that. I wouldn't have to use as much caulk when I'm done. There you go. <laughs> now, what about this one? That's just a rip cut saw for cutting boards. Okay. There you go. So you wouldn't use you wouldn't use this one if you were cutting boards. You can. You can. The old, the old days we used to use stuff like that. Yeah. But we've uh, upgraded to that. Upgraded. Okay. <laughs> so even though. We, we have a saw, right? We just, we just saw how many variations and applications that that saw could be applied for in doing a job. Now let's look at this. You got one of these? Yeah, I got a couple of those. Okay. What do you use this on? Hammer and nails. And, and, and fingers. And fingers. And okay. Fingers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now would you, would you ever use one like this? Not very often. If you did, what would you use it for? Just like a the little, little finger. Little finger. <laughs> um, maybe a little, very little nail like where you don't have to use a lot of force. Like a finishing nail or something? Yeah. yeah. Okay. A picture, you know, for like a picture frame. Oh, yeah. You know, something like that. There you go. Now, what about this one with a rubber head? That there you use for uh, putting floors together, like vinyl floors. Okay. Because it's too much... It, yeah, it's the rubber. It, it, it helps. It doesn't make... Doesn't it, dent it. It doesn't dent it like, like this. Okay. Now, what about this one? It's a little mini sledgehammer. Okay. So this would be used for... Anything big, Anything that this won't do. Okay. So if you had to take something apart, maybe? 
Yeah, you could use it for something fun, maybe breaking up some concrete. Or if you had to pound a big stake in the ground or something? Yeah, it's possible, yeah. Okay. All right. Now this little guy. That's no hammer. No. Now what's this? That's probably either, either a screw gun or a, a hammer drill. All right. Hammer drill. So now if you had a screw, and let's say the screw had a straight line on the top of it, on the top, on the head, on the top of the head. I'm talking about a regular, uh, not a Phillips, but a uh, different one. Right. Okay. So would you use one that has four edges to it or? No, the, well, you mean for? For that type of screw. Well, this is a Phillips. That's a Phillips. What's the other one? Standard? Standard, yeah. Standard, okay. I call them regular. <laughs> regular. So that one has more of a square, straight lining, straight lining. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's for old screws. Those, we don't use those anymore. Now, I got tripped up on something son-in-law did some, put a, a ramp in for us, and he pulled out some screws that had an octagon yep, like a star. Are, yeah, those are the new ones. Actually, they're pretty good. Why are they so good? Why, why are they better than the, this, the Phillips? The Phillips, it kind of strips it because it, it doesn't stay in okay. into the Phillips okay. that good. These fit better, and they stay in better. You can put more torque on them. Ah, okay. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, give Mike a hand here. How many of you guys learned something tonight? <laughs> I told you you were going to be teaching tonight. <laughs> so you see here, tools, even though it's a hammer, a screw gun, and a saw, there's just a whole bunch of variations. Oh, yeah. And so that's kind of like how prayer is, too. There are different variations of prayer. And as we just read here in um, 1 Timothy 2.1, he talks about supplications, prayers, intercessions, and then giving of thanks. And so when we look at supplication, we talked a little bit about that. The word supplication is really, you've got a need. You know that you have a need, and you need something, and you're going to God to get that need. So you're going to come to him with a supplication for a need. And within that, there's different prayers that can be used or applies to when you are supplicating the Lord. So, for example, the prayer of faith. James 5.15 says, And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he committed sins, he will be forgiven. We see another verse in 1 John 5.14-15. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we have asked of him. And then, God bless you. And then Mark eleven twenty three. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So therefore I say to you, whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, 
and you shall have them. So here we have some key scriptures that talk about what is the prayer of faith. And there's different rules that govern the prayer of faith. So, for example, the prayer of faith is governed by that God has revealed to you it's his will. You can't pray the prayer of faith if you don't know his will. If you don't know it's his will for you in your life, even if it is his will, but if you don't know it's his will for your life, and you try to do the mechanics of the prayer of faith, but there's still some uncertainty whether or not it's God's will for your life, the prayer of faith is not going to work. And maybe that's not the prayer you need to pray at that time. But if you know it's God's will, then the second thing is you got to have confidence. you got to know that you know that you know. I'm confident. And there can't be any doubting. When you're in the prayer of faith, if there's any doubt that's trying to work its way in there or manifest itself or come against your mind, you, you, you got to arrest it. You got to deal with that. You got to get it out of there because it hinders. Because he said right here, and does not doubt in his heart. Then you have to receive it before you physically see it or touch it and this is where people have a hard time with the prayer of faith because we are so inclined to our five physical senses that it's hard for us sometimes to accept this that it's happened that we've got it that it's ours because we still feel the pain we still see the circumstance we still see the situation but he said believe that you receive it and then you shall have it. He didn't say you'll have it, and then you can receive it. He didn't say that. He said believe that you receive it. In other words, something, you've already got it in here. It's already real to you in here. And then he goes on to say, or another rule is, we speak of it and declare it out of our mouth. Because he said, you'll have those things that you say, whatever you say. So operating in the prayer of faith is not just saying a prayer and, and, and say, okay, I'm done. But now you are speaking it out. You are declaring this. This is your confession. This is your declaration. This is where people get tripped up in this. They think that if they confess it enough, it'll happen. So they put that cart before the horse. And they're putting faith in their confession. Well, if I confess it 10 times, 20 times, 50 times, then I've got it. No. It's as simple as if, if somebody gives you something and you know you got it, and it's really great, what are you going to do? You're just going to tell your friends, I got this. I got a new car. I got a new car. It's just an automatic so if you know you got something when you prayed about it and you know that God's given it to you, whether you see it or not, whether you feel it or not, but you know you got it, then the automatic from that is I'm going to begin to tell others I've got it. I'm going to declare it. I'm going to speak it out. And see, these are the laws that operate the prayer of faith. Now, Jesus didn't pray the prayer of faith when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was praying a different prayer. We'll talk about that. Then there's the prayer of petition. 
Now, you would think supplication and petition are about the same thing, and they are same in nature because you are asking for something. But the word, the, word, um, the meaning of, of petition is to request something that is required, something that is specific to the overall need. So to give you kind of a contrast here, if, if you were asking for a job, Lord, I need a job, that's your supplication. But now, let's say you were asking for a first shift job. Lord, I need this job to be on first shift, or I need this job to be in a certain line of field, or a certain skill set, or a certain location. That becomes the petition within the supplication. Or it could be something that is required. In other words, if I'm going to pray for a job and I don't have a car, then I'm going to need a car to get to the job. So it could be something specific that is required to help you when you get the answer of the supplication. So when you see the word petition, a lot of times it's used in areas where there's a care involved. So, for example, in Philippians 4, 6, he says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request. Well, that word request is the, word, the Greek word petition. Let your request be made known unto God. So what he's saying is in this as you're going through life and you're dealing with things and you have needs and maybe those things are pressing upon you and they're starting to create cares and anxieties in your life and that is starting to affect you because I'm, I'm believing God for this, but how can I do that because I, don't, I need this. I'm gonna, this. In order for me to get that, I'm re, uh, the requirement is I might need a few other things, but how am I going to get those things because I don't have the job yet or I'm not there yet. So the petition becomes more of a specific. A lot of times it's, it's, there's a lot more thought to that. You know, the, it's, it's not just um, something we just throw out there in a whim, but it's something that we've been thinking about. We've actually been praying about it ahead of time. We've actually been looking to the Lord on this. Lord, here, I, you're going to bless me with this, but what am I going to need? How can I do this? And then from within that, it creates the petition. You know, when you get a job, you got a job to do something, but now you got to make a punch list of things that you need. Those become the petitions. And so you, the supplication is the big thing. The petition are the little things. But if you don't pray, the, you might pray the prayer of supplication, but if you don't go into petition, then you really haven't gone far enough in what you're asking God for. Because there's details involved in that. And there's things that he wants. And the fact that, that you're looking at the details is reflective to God that you are expecting the answer of your supplication. So in other words, if I'm praying for a job and yet I don't even really believe I'm going to get a job. And my car barely works and, and you know whatever. And I have all these other things that I need that would help me work with that. And I'm not thinking about all of that. 
And I'm like, well, God's going to get me a job and it's going to work out. Well, no, he wants us to sometimes take a little bit more time to, to start putting ourselves in that supplication being answered. And what do we need? What do I need here? Lord, I need some wisdom. Lord, I need some favor. Lord, I need understanding. Lord, I need to develop this or, or get this skill or whatever. And then you begin to prepare for that through the petition. Prayer of agreement is a powerful prayer. Because in the prayer of agreement, in Matthew 18, verses 18 through 20, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done of them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst. So in the prayer of agreement, you might be praying for something, but you sense that you're up against the wall. You've been believing God for something, but there's something that's really diabolical that's holding back from this being able to come forward. So there might be some spiritual warfare that has to go on. There's a verse in the Bible that says one puts a thousand to flight, two puts ten thousand to flight. And we see here that Jesus said where two or three are gathered together. Now a lot of times we use that verse like in a setting like this especially if the house isn't full, right? We just want to say, well, if there's only two or three here, Jesus is here. We're going to have church tonight. But really, the, the, the true essence of this application is the prayer of agreement. It's people coming together in agreement with a purpose and with a cause. And part of that purpose and cause is they're going to bind things and they're going to loose things. And within that, there's going to be Jesus said, I'm going to be there in the midst. Well, he's already here. If you were the only one in here, Jesus would be here because he's in you. But when we come together in unity and we come together in agreement, what happens? There is a greater manifestation of the Lord's presence. So sometimes if you're struggling with a prayer in your life and it's not getting answered, maybe you need to step into the prayer of agreement. You know, it's kind of like, you know, <clears throat> it's kind of like this this tool here. You know, it, it's a, or like a saw, for example. This is right, but this one, this is this is one one. How many horsepower? One horsepower. <laughs> it's all on you, right? But you get into this one where you've got a you got a little more extra help. You know, now you're cutting a lot more wood a lot faster, and you're getting more done. And sometimes you need that extra power to cut through some things. And that's where the prayer of agreement can come in. Now, what you want to be careful about with that is that you just don't go to anybody. Because, or you cut your fingers off, right. Because <laughs> not everybody might be like faith, like-minded in the faith. So sometimes if you broadcast, please pray for me, I need this job, you know, people, there might be people saying, well, you know what, I don't know if, they're qualified for that job. I don't know if they should get that job. You know, and that unbelief starts to get out there as well. So what you want to do is you want to find the people that are of like faith, of like precious faith, as Peter talks about. 
Say, I know this person, he's full of faith. I'm going to go to him and ask him to be a, a prayer partner for me in this situation. And that prayer of agreement can be the thing that makes the difference to, gets you, to get you through whatever you're up against, whatever you're battling. Then he says in, in Ephesians, or uh, Timothy here, 1 Timothy 2.1, he says supplication and prayers. Now we talked a little bit about the word prayer, kind of an interesting word because it really does denote the coming and drawing to and being towards and becoming face to face. I mean, that's intimate. It's not standoffish. It's not God's way up there, your way down here, but it's a face-to-face -face encounter. In that prayer, there's, I would say, sub-prayers, if you will, that come underneath that. And the one of them that jumps out is the prayer of consecration. Now, this word prayer, it not only does it mean to come face to face, but it also means to set or have a place set apart or suited for the offering of prayer. Now, it's interesting, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 6, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. So that's where we get our devotional, right? That's where we, that's our devotional time. That's where we set that time aside where we get face-to-face -face with the Lord. A place, um, you know, I have, a, I have a PC at home. It's called a prayer chair. <laughs> that's where I go. Um, when I was young, I used to do more walking. <laughs> and that was my prayer. But now I'm on a chair. And then I have to get up periodically. Uh, but find that place, whatever that place is. You know, Daniel, he would, three times a day, he would go in a certain room, he'd open up the, the windows that were facing Jerusalem, and he would pray. And it was just a place that it was set apart where he could consecrate himself and begin to pray. So it's good to have those, those set times, those set places where you know that you're going to meet with the Lord at this time. I'm having a meeting with the creator of the earth and my life. And now in this prayer, what it, what's going on is you're coming into a place of surrender and exchange. So what you're doing is you're committing more of yourself to God in order to receive more of him and his working in your life. It's not the prayer of faith. This prayer is not something that is you know, one and done, if you will. This is a process type prayer. It's an intimacy type prayer. It's a prayer that you're, you're, you're yielding and you're, you're letting God get deeper in your life. You're letting God deal with some things in your life. You're, you know, Jesus, when he went to the garden, he said, Father, if, you know, if it's possible, let this cup pass. I don't want to do this. I know how hard it is. I know how challenging it is. I'm not sure I can. Oh, I don't know. But what did he do? He consecrated himself. And he said, Father, not your will, but my will be done. And he knew, he knew that if he would consecrate himself, 
And in this weakness, give himself. He knew the end result. What was going to be the end result? That he was going to be given a name above every name whereby all men could be saved. That he was going to be the Lord and Savior of all of us. That he was going to be the one that was going to be able to take all of lost mankind, whoever wills, whoever repents, whoever believes, and bring them back to the Father. He was going to be exalted and given a position and a place and an honor far above. So there was a reward in this as, as well. But there was a sacrifice to pay to get that. You know, when Matthew 6, when he said, enter into that closet and pray, what does he say at the end? Well, if you pray to your father in secret, what is he going to do? He's going to reward you openly. See, there's an exchange. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. There's an exchange. You're giving up yourself. You're giving up your time. You're giving up some of your own agenda. You're giving up your own will. But what happens? God steps in and he does things and lifts you up. So we see that in this prayer of consecration. Also within this category is prayer and fasting. You know, Jesus talked about this. He, he was with his disciples and this is found in Mark 2, 18 and 20. He was with his disciples, and the Pharisees came up to him and said, Why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples? How come your disciples aren't fasting? And Jesus said something. He said, Can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with him? And the answer is no. As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. In other words, it's, he's right there. He's in, they can have communion. They can talk. They can hear things clearly. They can see him clearly. They can have fellowship with him. But then he goes on to say, but the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. So he was revealing to us the main purpose of fasting, and that is to be able to shut down our natural flesh, if you will, and to get into more of the presence of God, to get more focused on who he is, to be able to clear up some things, hear him a little better, get our spirit more in tune with him, get our heads in the right place. That's part of the prayer life. Fasting helps us to align ourselves. In Acts 13, 1 through 3, it says that, that the church, when they got together, that they, be, they sought the Lord with prayer and fasting, and the Lord began to speak, and he began to tell them, separate Paul and Barnabas for the, for the work that I have for them. So sometimes we need to fast in order to get God's direction. Lord, what are you saying here? What are you doing here? You know, sometimes you, if, you're, if you're struggling and you say, well, by faith I have the answers, and by faith I know the will of God, and by faith I'm going to walk in the will of God, well, that's good, but maybe you're using the wrong prayer in that situation. Maybe you need to go into the prayer of consecration. Maybe you need to go into the prayer of fasting. Because they have different purposes. They have different functions. I've got a nail and I'm trying to get the nail into the wall and I reach down and I pull out this rubber mallet, I'm going to be, you know, it's not going in. <laughs> I'm just wasting energy. I look like I'm doing something, 
I look like I'm working, but I'm not doing, I'm not doing the job. Fasting also helps us to consecrate things that God is beginning to do in our life or wants to do in our life. We, we consecrate it with a time of prayer and fasting. Lord, we want your blessing on this. Lord, we want your favor on this. Lord, we want you to, to work in this. And then also, Jesus told his disciples when they tried to cast the devil out of this boy, and they couldn't, and he said, this, he said, this kind comes out but by prayer and fasting. And that, that has been misunderstood by a lot of people because they think that prayer and fasting might move God's hand more to do something. But really what he was trying to say is the barrier is in you. And the, the fact that you gave up, the fact that your faith could only go this far is, is the reason why he wasn't healed. So in order to help you be able to hear more, understand more, be stronger more, and have your faith be able to go the distance, you need to pray and fast because your flesh got in the way. Your understanding got in the way, and it limited you. And then he talks about, and then within this, um, consecration. Now, this one I'm not 100% sure if I've got it in the right spot, but because I see some of the overlining principles, and that's the prayer of authority. See, sometimes we try to use the prayer of authority um, under the rules of prayer of faith, and, and there are some similarities but when we're using the authority to resist the devil, the Bible says in, first, in James 4, 7, it says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And in Mark 4.10, Jesus is having a battle with the devil, and the devil wants him to bow down and worship him. And Jesus said to, unto him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And the devil left him, and then angels came and ministered to him. So within that, you see that there was a consecrating. There was a, I'm making sure I'm underneath his authority. You know, sometimes people that are operating, trying to operate, see, faith is a specific thing, believing for a specific thing. But a person can do that and still miss it in other areas or still have self-will or still be independent or still trying to do things in their own strength in other areas. And if the devil sees that, he has an open door. And the Bible says, don't give any place to the devil, right? Because if you give him a place, he can operate somewhere in your life. But if you want to get them out of there, you've got to get them out of that place. You've got to close that place down. You've got to submit yourself to God in that area. And then when you submit yourself to God in that area, then you can resist the devil and he'll flee. But if you're not submitting to God in a certain area, you try to resist the devil, you're wondering, why isn't he leaving? Why isn't he getting out of here? I've used the name of Jesus. I've prayed the prayer of faith. I've prayed in tongues. But he's still working in this area. Why is he still working in this area? Well, maybe there's a place where I've opened the door for the devil. And I need to submit to the Lord more in a certain area. Because the devil is a legalist. 
He'll go before, you know, he has a legal right to go into places where he's allowed. He has that right. But we can stop that as we submit to God, resist the devil, and then he'll flee. Intercession, uh, Romans 8, 26 through 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And now he who searches the hearts knows what's the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So intercession is when the Spirit of God comes upon you in a powerful way to pray for somebody else. It's energized by the Spirit of God. And it's a stirring up. And in this intercession, there's two things that, that, that two ways it might work is A, you might be praying for somebody for one situation, or you might be assigned to pray for somebody for a long period of time. But it's something that stirs in your heart. It's something that is in there. It's uh, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. See, that effectual and that fervent means it's like boiling. It's like there's something stirring up. I don't make that up. I don't just say, well, I'm going to go into intercession now. It's the Spirit of God comes upon us. But we've got to be open to it. We've got to be willing for that and say, Lord, you know, use me. But then also there is a certain element of commitment to this. And for example, there was a guy in the Bible, and his name is Epaphras in Colossians chapter 4. And Paul says he prays for you. He labors for you in prayer that you might stand complete, perfect and complete in all the will of God. He was interceding. See, he was operating in that intercession. And then there's an intercession where you actually become taking the place. You know, Jesus, when he went to the cross, he took our place. And there's times where you can go into intercession where you feel like you're the one that's under attack. Like you're the one that's lost. That you're the one that's hurting. And you begin to cry and you begin to weep. But that's the spirit of intercession that's on you for that individual. And so that's very powerful in our prayer life. And then, of course, giving of thanks. The last thing he mentioned. And really, the giving of thanks, we know we enter his courts with thanksgiving. Um, we enter his temple with praise. His gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. And so thanksgiving is something that we do, we do all throughout the day. We do in every situation. The Bible says, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. But what, what thanksgiving is there for is to keep us rejoicing in the Lord always, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So we want to stay in that place of rejoicing and thankfulness. And then where God wants that to go is into worship. Into a place where we're just lost in his presence. Where we're worshiping him in the beauty of his holiness. As it says in Psalms 96, 8. So there's different types of prayers, and there's more. I, I, I touched on only you know, a handful of them, but there's different other prayers, praying in the Spirit, um, and so forth. And I just encourage you as you're, as you're praying, as you are looking to the Lord for certain things, Lord, what prayer do I need to pray in this situation? 
how do I need to how do I need to deal with this? Maybe I need to go into the prayer petition, take some time, really uh, get into more of knowing and understanding what God wants to do in this situation. Or maybe there's a prayer of consecration, or maybe there's just a prayer of submission, submitting something so that I can resist the devil, but I can't resist him if I've given him access. And so some of these things are important, and they'll help us in our prayer life to be more successful. Father, we thank you so much for, for giving us freedom and liberty to pray. Lord, that we can come into your presence, that we can have fellowship with you. Lord, that we just we need you every day, Lord, and you're always there, and you're always good to us, and you're always willing to help us, and no good thing will you withhold from them that walk uprightly. And how much more does our Heavenly Father know how to give good gifts to his children? So, Lord, we thank you that we serve a good, loving God who just takes great care of us. Lord, I pray that our prayer lives would become more skillful, more accurate, and more effective, and more fruitful. And Lord, you said that if we do that, uh, Lord, that you'll be glorified. And that's what we want to do. We want you to be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. And Lord, we pray for our offering tonight.